salads. I wanted to remind everybody as we get into class tonight about our upcoming meeting that we do have flyers for, for Brother John Cantrell, and uh, those are available out in the foyer, but be sure and, and let your friends and family members know about that starting August 21 through 24 and Friends and Family Day on the 21st. Somebody's car alarm. Our study on angels is coming primarily from a book by Brother Myers. Hey, that was pretty good. You made it stop. The magic key fob. I don't know whose car that was, but your fob worked. If I ever have that happen to my car, I'll let you know, right? There you go, the magic fob. Edward Myers, from, uh, associated with Freed, has written a book on angels. I also have a book on angels that Gentry gave me, and I'll, I'll be referring to that. I've been enjoyed uh, reading the study on angels, but... Uh, Gentry, you remember who wrote this? Curtis Manor, yeah, friend of Gentry's on angels. So we've been, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about angelic visitations. Angelic visitations, primarily we looked at examples of angels in the Old Testament that showed up and visited. We we had a a really good, lengthy discussion about... uh, the, the visit with Abram and Sarah, how the two angels is also with the Lord came, and then those two angels later went to Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, implored Lot to leave. And uh, so we had a lot of interesting discussion about that. Last class time, August 3rd, we talked about the angel who led Israel and uh, I, I meant to read your article. I did not. The one that you sent me a text that talked about the angel of the Lord. I think that was a congregation in Florida, but I'll try to read that and then make that available. If anybody's interested, I'll go back and see if I can find Howard's text on the angel of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Y'all remember that discussion came up last week. What's that mean versus just an, an, a, a regular angel? I'm thinking, Howard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that might have to do with maybe the ranking of the angel, one who's... Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting concept, like when God dispatches an angel to share a message with someone, is that angel in fact going in God's authority? Well, the answer is yes, of course. An angel is a created being who is a messenger. He's going and representing God with his authority. So is that the same as God giving a message, an angel representing the Lord giving a message? So, you know, some interesting thoughts about the angel of the Lord. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
So I guess more study to follow, and I'll try to read your article. And then if anybody's interested in the Angel of the Lord reference, I'll try to make that available in our next class. But it's just, I, I love studying. And one, one reason I really enjoy Wednesday night Bible study is we can get together and raise these questions and ponder and scratch our head and like, I wonder what that means. And we can collectively research and study. Now, I do have Adam back there with a the microphone. So if you have a comment, I've already violated that rule because Howard was talking, sorry. But if you're listening via live stream, uh, we'll try to get a microphone to the speaker so you can hear and others who may be hearing impaired like myself can uh, hear when a person makes a comment. So um, tonight, what I want to do is I want to try to quickly, if at all possible, do one more angelic visitation from the Old Testament. One of my favorite stories, I know Meg said she enjoyed this. She wasn't able to be here last week, so it kind of worked out well. But let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. I'll get my Bible open as well. Turn my phone on silent. Okay, anybody would like to volunteer and read that? Verses 14 through 17, 2 Kings 6. 14 through my master what shall we do he said do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them then elisha prayed to the lord and said O lord please open his eyes that he may see so the lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around elisha all right so here here's the backstory on this particular event Apparently, it was a Syrian king, and he was outraged because it seemed like uh, the Syrian king, anytime he wanted to attack or plot something against God's people, there was apparently, they they were already aware of it, the, the movements of the king, and he suspected, the Syrian king suspected a spy, and somebody said, no, my lord, what it is, they have a prophet, Elisha, and, you know, it's, it's almost like he's listening. He knows what's going on. God has enabled him to tell the king about all of our moves. And so all of a sudden, Elisha, the prophet, becomes an enemy of the Syrian king. And so he dispatches a great army, quote unquote, to go take out one man. Basically, this large army's job is to seize the prophet, Elisha. Your job, great army chariots, so forth, is to go out and seize the prophet. So this is what they've done. They surrounded the town at night. Uh, when Elisha gets up in the morning, his servant goes out first, and he's quite alarmed because he sees the whole area where they're staying is surrounded by this the Syrian army. And, um, and so he... <clears throat> 
He is uh, quite fearful. Alas, my master, what shall we do? You know, he, he's thinking, this may be my last day today. I'm going to be killed by the Syrian army. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. Now, I want to ask a question. What exactly did this young man see when the Lord opened his eyes? What did this young man see? This isn't a trick question. It's in the text. Okay. The, the, the whole mountainside is surrounded by horses and chariots of fire. So are these regular military chariots and military? No, no, these are, these are flaming. I mean, that would be kind of impressive, wouldn't it? So what happened? What allowed this young man to not see them and then see them? What do you think occurred? Anybody have any thoughts? Elisha prayed that God would open his eyes. Now, this is an important question. Again, it's not a trick question, but a thought question. Were those chariots of fire and, and, and horses always there? Okay, then why couldn't the young man see them? If they were always there, then why couldn't he see them? He wasn't looking for them, and God hadn't opened his eyes. Okay, I, I, I think the answer is, at least in my mind, is that we have to understand that there are spiritual forces and powers surrounding us that are unseen, right? That we cannot see with human eyes. Elisha basically said, Lord... I, as, as your prophet, know what's around. He wasn't worried. He wasn't concerned. He knew the battle belonged to the Lord because angelic army surrounded the Assyrian army, and they were even greater than the Assyrians. And besides, they were representing God, this angelic army of, of chariots of fire. That must have been amazing, by the way. What, what does it look like to see a chariot of fire? And, and angelic horses, you know, are these going to be the same things that return when Jesus, uh, when the trumpet sounds and he's coming back, you know, with angelic? I don't know. And another question that raises in my mind, is it possible that these angels had the ability to morph into or turn into chariots of fire and horses? Well, of course, angels can become whatever form they need to become. Uh, but God made the point that this battle was God's battle because these forces were great. So the Lord gave this young man, Elisha's assistant, the ability to see things that were unseen. Now, they were always there, but he didn't have that ability until Elisha prayed, and the Lord opened his eyes. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So another interesting uh, miracle that we see is Elisha prayed and struck the uh, men with blindness. And it's almost funny because um, 
Elisha says to all these blind uh, soldiers, the Assyrian army that were sent to capture one man, he's the one who says, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. This is, to me, comical. You know, I'm the guy that you're looking for but you don't know that, so I'm going to lead you to the guy you're looking for. And he leads them where? He takes them to Samaria, and then Elisha says, Lord, open their eyes. So we have a miracle of eyes being opened twice. Once, the young man, the servant of Elisha. Second, these men who've been blinded, now their eyes are open, and they were in the midst of Samaria. And basically, uh, the king says, Shall I strike them down? Here they are. You've delivered them right into the middle of the city. We're ready to kill them. Are we going to kill them? No, let's show compassion. It's a very interesting story. I love it. And so he says, I want you to set bread and water before them. Uh, They're going to eat and drink. They're going to return to their master. So basically, Elisha single-handedly saved the lives of this Assyrian army. They could have easily been killed. But yet each of them went home. And it says at the end of this passage, the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Why? I just think it's interesting that Elisha showed them compassion. He let them go home to their families and their wives. And they're like, we're not messing with that God anymore. Right? So a fascinating story. A fascinating story. By the way, Somebody turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and I'd like somebody just raise your hand, and we'll see Adam over here to, oh, you got a reader? I picked one. You picked a reader. <laughs> All right, Adam. What do you say? Adam picked a reader. Ephesians what, what? 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so what Ephesians 6.12 is telling me is that these chariots of fire, that these spiritual beings that belong to God are out there among us, and we can't necessarily see them, but they exist. you agree? So, I'm sorry, Wanda? Yeah, it it would appear to me that if they existed in the Old Testament and God's nature doesn't change, that they're still present today. These are forces that represent God, uh, angelic forces to fight demonic forces, which, sadly, are also out there, unseen to us. And so there is spiritual warfare going on on this earth. There is spiritual warfare going on in heavenly realms that is unseen to us. And so I just think um, we need to trust God and, and realize that his power is greater. But yet there, are, there is a tremendous power on both sides, angelic forces that are fighting demonic forces And even though we can't see them, we know that they exist. So it's a good reminder of unseen forces. Uh, Did Elisha ever see chariots of fire again? What do you think? I see you nodding your head. Okay. 
Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. Yeah, Brother Gene said that he saw them earlier. That is correct. 2 Kings chapter 2. We see Elisha, who has, you may recall that Elisha was actually the protege. He was being mentored by the prophet Elijah. And Elijah, uh, let's see, let me see if I can figure out where that is. Yeah, verse 11, thank you. That's when Elisha um, asked for a double portion. He said, if you've asked a hard thing yet, if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. As they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And uh, I just think that's interesting that as far as Elisha, Elisha had seen uh, these same chariots of fire and, and, and horses of fire when his master uh, had been, Elijah had been taken up. Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind into heaven. So it appears that these, uh, these chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two. In other words, it was a forced separation, and um, Elijah was probably terrified. But sure enough, um, he said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw him no more. And the cloak came. He took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him. And you may re- recall that Eli. Jah said, if you see me taken up, then your, your request for a double portion of miracles will be granted. So sure enough, he did see him go up, uh, taken up in the whirlwind. His cloak fell back to earth. He struck the water, and his first miracle uh, parted uh, one side into the other, and Elisha crossed. So very fascinating story. But this was actually the second time that Elisha had seen these same chariots. So fascinating. I just thought that was interesting. Any thoughts or comments on that angelic visitation? What can we learn about angels from this story? Anybody have any thoughts before we move on to our next our next lesson? What can we learn? Yes, sir. They they are always around, even though we can't see them. That's correct. We know that they're more powerful. God's forces are more powerful than demonic forces, yet both are very powerful armies. Okay. Adam's getting a good workout. I've told this before, but I think I saw one at my house. You saw an angel? Yes, I do. Okay, tell me about that. This old gentleman come up to the house years ago. He had, He had dressed in some... Just a long coat like old gray headed man and I asked him, Could I help him? He said, Yeah, I want a drink of water. So I got him a drink of water. Then he wanted another drink of water. Got him another drink. He turned around and walked off. He just barely could go. <clears throat> Paulette talked like she said talked like we needed to carry him wherever he's going. I said, I think you're right. He didn't have time to get very far. And I went outside, and I couldn't find him anywhere. 
And I've always thought that I had met an angel. Yep. The way he was walking, anybody could have caught up with him, but I went far and wide. Yeah. He was gone. You covered a lot of ground in a short time, and you couldn't find him. I couldn't find him. Very interesting. Yeah. Might not have been, but that's what stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. Anybody else? Appreciate that story. So. They, they can, and, and that's an important point to remember, Jeannie, is that angels are not limited to look a certain way. And from the material that I'm reading, uh, we've sort of bought into a lot of untrue things. For example, where in the Bible do we ever have the mention of a female angel? The answer is, there is not one. There is no female angel ever mentioned in the Bible. Yet most of the angels that we see when we pull up pictures, maybe we do a search on the Internet or see a a picture in a book or something, it'll be a woman with long flowing hair and, you know, a beautiful woman is an angel. We don't really have specific references that all angels have wings. Some, the seraphim do. We'll talk about that later. We know that the angels that were over the Ark of the Covenant had wings extended and touching the tips, but not all angels have wings. Some angels look just like men. Some could probably look like old people. Um, some could look like young people. Angels can morph or take any, any uh, image they want to accomplish God's word. We know that uh, the angels appeared as uh, men when they came to visit Lot in the Old Testament, and the Lord himself appeared as a man and ate food. So it's very interesting. All right, any other thoughts before we move on from Yes, Howard. Just a second. We'll get we'll get Adam down here. Thank you, Adam. Well, in Matthew 25 when it talks about those that are sick and hungry and thirsty in prison and stuff. Yes. It talks about you're doing it to me. Yes. So I don't know if they're angels, but in, in a sense, we're saying because you didn't do, you, but 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 there there is kind of a divine connection there. Yes, and uh, so, so I think that's something somewhat similar. Uh, you know, we don't know if they're angels or what, but uh, you, you know, when we saw ones, did you not? But it was me. When you saw about them, you you took care of me. Right. See, so. I think there are a lot of passages, you, you, you know, that, that put that connection that there's maybe a double meaning there sometimes. Yeah, I, I think the idea, and it's interesting that you mentioned that passage because I wrote a thank you letter to an organization in Clarksville who, who offered free medical care to a young man that I'm working with. They pulled a tooth, and I just, I, I quoted that, that, that statement, and, it, you know, Whoever did this to the least of these, my brethren, have done it to me. You know, I was hungry, I was thirsty in prison. And and so rendering these services of kindness or care to people who seemingly are in the lower dregs of society, you know, they don't have much status, they might actually be looked down upon by society. But Jesus said, when you show compassion 
to these people, the least of these, the ones that really don't count, the ones that don't matter, the one that society brushes aside, says they're unimportant. When you render compassionate care and love to those, Jesus said, you've done it to me. You've done it to me. Now, don't, don't go after the people that are, that are prestigious in society that have some way to pay you back or honor you. Go to those who are of low esteem and simple means, the poor, you know, the rejected, the sinners, the ones that are the drug addicts, the ones that have messed up. When you care for them, Jesus says, you've done it to me. It's a great, great point. All right, let's turn to Luke 1. Luke 1. And I want to talk about, uh, basically, we're shifting now to the New Testament, to angelic visitation. And I, I just had to, to talk about birth announcements. It's a big deal. All right, chronologically in the Bible, what was the first birth announcement made by an angel in the New Testament? Who can tell me? John the Baptist, right? What was his father's name? you recall? Zechariah, right? And Elizabeth. And who can recall what was Zechariah doing at the time he was visited? Anybody know? He was in the temple doing his duties, right? His priestly duties. And let's just read the account. Uh, I'm looking around. Uh, well, let's, go, let's start out uh, around verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. This is in Luke 1. Of the division of Abijah, he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So this is an old couple. The having baby years is past, right? It's gone. Um, no hope. While he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So it mentions the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So he's inside doing his priestly duties. He's by himself. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him in fear fell upon him. By the way, speculation, I know we don't know, but what do you think this angel looked like? Any thoughts? A regular person? All right. Sean said a regular person. What do you think? No. Okay, Wanda's shaking her head, and I'm going to ask her why. Why did he not look like a regular person, Wanda? Ah, okay, say that again. Now we got the microphone. He wouldn't have had any reason to fear him. Okay, precisely, and, and I'm, I'm right in line with Wanda's thinking. In some cases, we know when these angels appeared, they probably lit up the room. They were appearing in glory, and they were probably very shiny and radiant and like, oh, you know, uh, is this a bad dream? What's going on? Um, fearful. So, I agree that it says, um, Zechariah was troubled when he saw him 
and fear fell upon him. I'm going to go ahead and and take a a shot here and say he might have been shaking from fear, right? Like this this has not happened to me before. What is going on? Zechariah was troubled, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. I know that I'm here. I know that I'm shiny. I know that you're, you're fearful. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. First of all, Zechariah must have thought this was odd because whoever's appearing to him that's glorious or shining and speaking to him knows his name. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. We know that's true because what happened before he was born. He jumped for joy in the presence of Messiah, didn't he? Yeah. So tell me unborn children don't matter. They do matter. They're important. And we had an interesting story of the Holy Spirit even moving this little baby before he was born in the Lord's presence. So um, Zechariah said to the angel, now, in verse 18, I kind of get it. Zechariah's like, first of all, he's been traumatized. He's been scared. An angel of the Lord showed up, talked to him, told him something that was almost incomprehensible, that now his wife, who's advanced in years is going to have a baby? Really? He's supposed to process all this and go, sure, Mr. Angel, whatever you say, right? I'm just kind of taking the side of Zechariah. And he says, how shall I know this? I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel, angel answered him, I am Gabriel. Interesting. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words. So part of me is kind of like, ooh, that was tough. I I kind of feel for Zechariah. He somewhat doubted what the angel said, but the angel wanted to make a point. You're still going to have a child. You're still going to name John, uh, but you won't be able to speak. Your lack of faith cost you, right? So for this period of time, approximately nine months, uh, we know that Zechariah couldn't speak. And yet when, when the child was born, he wrote his name will be John. So this was a great uh, clue. This was a great clue to the people that this little baby that was born was very, very unique because his father was now able to speak again. All right, any thoughts or comments on this angelic visitation? In this case, uh, I think that this was not an angel disguised to look like a man. I think he was probably glorious and radiant and shining and um, struck fear in the heart of Zach. Yeah. That's an interesting point. So is it possible that because this angel shared his name and secondly, he identified a specific task that he stands 
before the Lord that maybe he was an angel of higher order? What do you think? Any thoughts? Yeah. The archangel. Okay, so we're going to get into this later, Gene, and I appreciate you mentioning that. Do angels have orders um, or rankings? So we know that he gave him his name, and we do have an archangel, so we'll be talking more about that at a later time. Let's now shift over to another birth announcement, and I want to go to Matthew 1. If you've got your Bible handy, let's go to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to talk about Joseph. We'll drop down to verse 20. Now, those of you familiar with the story of the birth of Jesus... This young woman, Mary, who's never been with a man, right, is now explaining to her parents, her dad, even her fiancé, that she's with child. Shocked everybody. What did Joseph assume? Joseph assumed, like he probably should have, she's not being honest with me. She's been with someone else. And it was an insult. Uh, There's a good chance Joseph has already paid the dowry, you know. And when you pay a dowry to somebody, it's kind of understood that you're getting a wife who's never been with anybody. So, I mean, just think about Joseph. Put yourself in his position. Does he go to Mary's father and say, I want my money back? You know, this this. This is a violation here. This is not good according to Jewish custom. She's expecting a child. There's rumors that she's saying that this is of the Lord. You know, as far as I know, Joseph's thinking no woman has ever had a child before where she's not been with a man. So I kind of understand where he might be coming from. This has got to be difficult. Uh, He was going to put her away quietly. So in verse 19, well, let's drop, drop back to um, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So... What's, what's different here with Zechariah's visitation and Joseph's visitation? Anybody know? Right. Secondly, the angel that stood before Zechariah was there in real time, and he was physically present. Correct? Correct. All right, how did the angel appear to Joseph? Ah, in a dream. So now we're having a little bit of a a different scenario that God is speaking to Joseph through an angel in a dream state, right? In other words, Joseph apparently is not awake, but yet he's sleeping. Isn't that interesting? You think God speaks to us in dreams today? Nobody's answered. Not going to answer that. I don't know. 
Is it possible? God can do whatever he wants to any of his children. If we cry out to God and ask him to help us or intervene, is it possible that he could answer us in a dream? The answer is yes, church. Yes, he can. God is still the same God today and works in powerful ways. And so we have to understand that uh, there's a lot of things about God and how he communicates to us through his spirit that uh, his presence is made known. Now, I would not recommend that you go to work and say, well, God spoke to me last night, told me to do this, you know. We have to be careful because we know the written word is his guide and instruction. But yet God communicated, in this case, to Joseph in a dream. So he says uh, in the dream, Joseph Amen. So we have the written word. We have the guide in our life. And so in this dream, Joseph, son of David, the angel says, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's an affirmation, a confirmation that this is the miracle child. Right? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, I got all kinds of questions about this. Did they have a wedding ceremony? What do you think? We don't know. Yeah. Wedding. See, here's the thing. A wedding feast in Jewish culture is a big deal. Now, there's a good possibility that Joseph's like, well, the angel of the Lord told me to go ahead and marry her. This child is, in fact, from the Holy Spirit, but... People know that she's expecting, so I don't know. I kind of doubt they had their traditional Jewish wedding. Maybe they just had a, a little silent ceremony. And Joseph did the honorable thing and took him, took her as his wife, but the Bible says that he did not have relations with her until Jesus was born. So it shows some character of Joseph. I appreciate that. So the biggest difference rose Going back to the question originally, an angel approached Zechariah directly and told him, in this case, the angel came to Joseph in a dream state and communicated. Yes? We don't know. We don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, again, that's just speculation on my part, but... Uh, I, Wow, how that must have rocked Joseph's world. You know, here he is, just a little humble guy doing his job, and he's going to marry a woman and be excited, and all of a sudden she says, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. It rocks his world. He's like, oh, well, we, you know, this is the wedding's off. I'm going to have to divorce her, put her away silently. An angel visits him in a dream and says, no, no, marry her. Uh, this is the will of God. This is a Holy Spirit baby. 
I don't even know if he truly understood that he was going to be a physical father to the Messiah. You know, later when Jesus was in the temple, it says that Mary treasured these things up in her heart. I don't know if Joseph had a clue. I think it might have been beyond his comprehension what he was dealing with. But we know God used them. And uh, an angel appeared and represented God. You had a comment in yeah, the back. Did, did they not go with the, into Egypt? Or was that after he was born? After, yeah, after he was born, yeah. remember when there was a slaughter of the innocents, okay. when Herod had the babies killed? An angel again approached Joseph and warned him and said, you need to leave. And there's been some theorizing that I'll share with you. I think maybe when the Magi came and and visited Jesus as a toddler, right? And they left some gifts with Mary and Joseph that were probably valuable, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were quite valuable in fact, probably enough for them to travel to Egypt to escape the slaughter of the innocents from Herod. Isn't that interesting how God provided this for uh, Mary and Joseph, who were probably very poor, but now had the funds to travel to Egypt? Just a thought. He, amen. 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 So... I think so. The question is, was this the last mention of Joseph when Jesus was at the temple? Uh, I'm not aware of any mention of Joseph after that. Anybody, anybody else aware of that? It's kind of implied that maybe he, he passed. Yeah, he passed. We know that at the crucifixion, Jesus said, Behold your mother, mother behold your son. In other words, he was entrusting the care of his mother to the disciple John, whom he loved. Yes, ma'am. Yes. You're talking about Joseph? Yeah. Joseph was probably an older man. and He could have been an older person. Right, right. Yeah, good point. Just so many questions we don't know, but... I, I, I real, my heart goes out to Joseph, bless his heart, you know, here he is betrothed, um, marrying a, a woman, uh, she's not been with a man, and now all of a sudden she says, I'm, I'm expecting a baby, but this is a very special baby, a baby is like, uh, you know, hmm, I wish I could believe you, but that'd have to be a miracle baby, and sure enough, the angel confirms that this is from the Spirit, it's, it's, it is a God baby. So he's a man of faith. He does the right thing. Uh, he abstains from any relations with her until Jesus is born. And is obedient to the angel as well. Matthew 2, verse 13 and 19. Yes. Yeah. The question is, was there a mention of Joseph after the temple incident? After the temple incident. And uh, at least tonight, we're saying none of us are aware Joseph was ever mentioned again after that. So possibly he he passed. We don't know. Matthew two thirteen through 19 is the second reference. And I want to very quickly, while we've got just a minute, talk about um, uh, Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke 1, 26 through 38. Anybody want to read that for us? 
Luke 1, 26, 38. Or shall Adam pick you? <laughs> All right, any volunteers? You want to read? Okay, down here. 26 through 38, Luke 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, a couple of things I wanted to point out, and we're out of time, but thank you. I appreciate you reading that. First of all, how did the angel appear when he showed up to Mary? Do we know? The text doesn't tell us. Was she traumatized, afraid, or scared when the angel showed up? No. I see several people shaking their head. She was not. It is possible that this angel may have appeared as a man, or maybe not quite as glorious as the angel might have appeared in front of uh, Zechariah. What troubled Mary? I'm going to have a what? Uh, Yeah, that's fine, except one thing. I've not been with a man, right? Yeah, but you're going to have a baby. And so that's what troubled her, was not the appearance of the angel as much as the news this messenger brought her. And that's why he said in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And so uh, she, uh, she's really, really traumatized. Verse 34, how will this be since I'm a virgin? It's almost like she's more concerned about the news he shared than being fearful of his presence. But yet she knows that she's had an angelic visitation, a messenger from the Lord. So I just find this fascinating that angels in some cases may not have looked like angels at all, but were simply messengers. Some angels appeared and could have been radiant and shining and glory and glory-filled and caused shaking and, uh, and, and trouble. So, and, and, I, and I really, again, Wanda, I want us to, to, to remember what a woman this is of faith. She said in verse 38, just in a short time, she's processing all this information. 
She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She was able to collect her thoughts and to give a profound faith response. If this is what the Lord wants me to do, so be it. Wow, that was amazing. I sure wish I could meet her. The angel departed from her. So then Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and we know that that's when, uh, when little John, preborn, leaps for joy in the presence of Messiah. Hope you've enjoyed the study tonight. Uh, if you get a chance, you might want to read Luke 2, 8 through 20. These are the shepherds in the field. Again, angelic visitation. And another one is Acts 5, 19 through 33, Acts 12, 6 through 18. This is the release from prison where angels visited the apostles and Peter. So those, those are the remaining uh, visitations. We can touch those very briefly next week, but we're out of time. Enjoyed your comments tonight and hope you enjoyed class. Oh, yes. Gabriel appeared to Daniel as a regular man in the Old Testament. Very interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, there's just some, it's a fascinating study when you look at how angels visited, how they appeared, the messages they brought, the responses. Um, You may recall that Samson's mom got an angelic visitation in the Old Testament, and the dad couldn't really figure out if it was an angel or not. And so on the second visit, when the angel showed up with Samson's father, the angel did a miracle and convinced him that he was from God. He was a little bit, little bit slow on the uptake, right? Couldn't quite figure it out, so the angel did a, a miracle. Okay, okay. I appreciate everybody's uh, comments about angels and the discussion. And, you know, some of you may have your own angelic visitation stories or, or events that happen, miracles. So remember that angels are present today. All right. You have the closing song, and okay, you got our closing prayer. Dennis, Dennis will be dismissing us in prayer. 586 is thy heart right with God. Well, we've had a good study tonight on angelic visitations. We've seen Old Testament, New Testament, and it's just reassuring to know that God communicates to us in various ways, primarily through his word. Uh, he had sent angels to give messages. And uh, we believe that God can also enlighten us and lead us through the Spirit. So God wants us to understand his will. Sometimes he answers our prayers when we cry out to him. So tonight there may be someone whose soul is heavy, whose heart is crying out, who maybe needs reassurance from God. We'd be honored to pray for you tonight, to encourage you, whatever your struggle may be. God is always, always longing to hear from his children even those that may be struggling with sin or with heavy hearts, 
or depression or whatever we can do to help, uh, we would be honored to take that request to God today. Maybe somebody uh, has a, um, a specific prayer request or wants to confess sin, but we invite you to come while we're led in song. Number 586, Is Thy Heart Right With God? Let's stand and sing together. to the cross is thy heart right with God dost thou count all things for Jesus but loss is thy heart right with God is thy heart right with God washed in the crimson flood cleansed and made holy humble and lowly right in the sight of God Hast thou dominion or self and or sin? Is thy heart right with God? Over all evil without and within, Is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, Cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, Right in the sight of God Are all thy powers under Jesus' control Is thy heart right with God Does he each moment abide in thy soul Is thy heart right with God Is thy heart right with God Washed in the crimson flood and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sight of God. Be seated, please. Thank you all for being here tonight. We have some quick announcements that I'll share with you. This coming Saturday, beginning at 1 o'clock, we're going to have the back-to-school bash. That will involve inflatables and face painting, games, all kinds of activities. So we'll also be giving away school supplies. This is K through 12 students that are attending. You can see Tiffany if you have questions. They still need some volunteers. So we hope you can come and support that activity this weekend. Meals on Wheels is this Sunday. See Christy if you have any questions about that meal delivery. Bible Bowl practice is Sunday at 4 p.m. The Ladies Devo is coming up. will be August 16, Tuesday at Jeannie Brown's home. And um, she's at 4116 Meadowview Circle in Pleasant View. Remember our gospel meeting? And I held up a flyer earlier. We've got these available out in the foyer, so take some of these. Our speaker is John Contrell from South Harp Church of Christ. And um, just in, invite your friends and neighbors. We'd like to have a big, a big day and a big feed to uh, kick that off. Trenton Crossing uh, is having... Friends and Family Day, Sunday, August 14, and uh, they have a flyer on the bulletin board. Hilldale has a Ladies' Day, Saturday, August 27. The flyer is also on the board. Uh, If you do not wish to register online, please sign the sheet in the foyer by August 15. Those names will be forwarded to Hilldale. Trenton Crossing has an end-of-summer special with Walt Lever. That's Wednesday, August 31st at 6.30 p.m., There's also a flyer. Ladies are invited to a wedding shower for Story and Jose Rosales. 
That's Sunday, September 11 at 2 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. They're registered at Target.com. So what's our count tonight? Eight, eight. Okay. All right. If there's uh, no um, additional announcements, we will take any special prayer request. And in just a moment, we'll be led by Dennis. Any Anybody we want to update? I know Bill Young. I went to see Bill Monday, and he's been transferred to Stallworth Rehab. He's going to begin his his uh, therapy, but he's still not able to use his left arm and left leg. So we just pray for a good recovery and that he'll get strength in those extremities. So, Bill Young. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sorry to hear that. Is it Ronnie? Riley White. Riley White. And he said he was 16 or 17 years old. Wow. Collapsed at a track meeting. That's scary. Riley White. Okay, thank you. Any other prayer requests? Obviously, we need to mention Bill Young as well and his therapy that he's beginning at Stallworth, his rehab. Yes. Karen Robertson. Heart cath, August 19, and this is your cousin. Okay, did you get that? Okay, any other prayer requests before we're dismissed? All right. Thank you all for being here tonight and bless you and be safe going home. And um, we'll ask Dennis to dismiss us in prayer. Let's pray. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we humbly bow in your presence this evening. We're thankful that we can be here. We've come to, to praise and honor you, Father, and to learn more of your will. We pray that this will always be so blessed. We know that there are powers out in the world that are trying to take our freedoms away, and we just pray that you would defeat these people and help them to see the right way to go. We pray for our elected officials that you would help them to make the right decisions so we will have religious freedom, not only for us but for other generations. And, Father, we come to you praying for the forgiveness of our sins. We strive daily to be faithful, but being human, we often fail. Please forgive us, Father, and help us always to be forgiving to one another. And, Father, we have some special prayer requests tonight. We want to pray for Riley White. She be with him. He's having a lot of pain, and we know that they're people that are concerned about him, and we just pray that you'd bless him with relief. And Karen Robertson, we pray for her, that you'd be with her as she has these tests, and uh, we just pray that you'd help her to, to heal and be well. We also want to remember Bill Young. He's been through a lot. We miss him here at services. And we just pray that you'd bless him with healing. We also will remember Terry Boker. 
he's been in search of a kidney and we would like to see if you could help him find a kidney so he could be back with us. And we just pray that you continue to bless Addison more uh, to recover from his incident. Father, we pray that you'd uh, help us always to look for you for the guidance we need to safely travel through this life. Help us to be aware of those things that we come upon us that would keep us from being faithful. We know they're out there in the world, and we know that we can be caught up. So help us to be watchful and avoid these things. Help us always depend upon you for our every need. We're thankful that you're a loving and merciful God and bless us with our every need and just much more. Go with us, Father, as we depart. Watch over us and protect us and help us to be back at the next appointed time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.